Hey everybody, welcome back to another Bald Move Pulp movie podcast. This is a commission edition. It was commissioned by one Keenan and Maggie, and uh, they did the risky move of commissioning Harry Potter and a Prisoner of Azkaban, the 2004 fantasy film directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, it's risky because Jim not only has never seen Harry Potter films or read the books, he's got a well-known and well-documented antipathy towards fantasy projects of, of literally all type. This is true, right, Jim? Oh, yeah. I'm not slandering you. Yeah, in general, I don't like fantasy, and the higher fantasy, the more magic, the less I like it. Okay. Uh, so, like I said, this is uh, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, well-respected director of Children of Men, Gravity, Roma. Enjoyed mm-hmm. a lot of his work. Uh, screenplay written by Steve Cloves, who's well-known for adapting written works uh, to Hollywood screen projects, and he's also written and directed The Fabulous Baker Boys. Is based on Harry Potter and a Prisoner of Azkaban, written by J.K. Rowling. More on her later. It stars Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter. Uh, we just saw him in Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Uh, he's also in Swiss Army Man, Horns, Guns Akimbo. Lots of interesting work by this young man. Rupert Grint uh, plays Harry's BFF, Ron Weasley. And Rupert, uh, he, he bought an ice cream truck. I know he did that. And I honest to God, I've never seen him in anything else. Um, Emma Watson, on the other hand, I've, I've seen a lot of things. The Bling Ring, the live action Beauty and the Beast, uh, the Greta Gear- Gearing. Is Gearwing? the Bling Ring what you're calling the circle? No. Or is that a separate movie? She's also, yeah, she, so she was <laughs> okay. in two circular themed movies. Gotcha. Uh, she's also in little The Little Women, the most recent Little Women, The Littlest Women. Most recent Little Women. Uh, Robbie Coltrane, He, I primarily know him as Valentin Zukovsky from James Bond, the James Bond series. Yes. Okay. Michael Gambon. These are all well. I mean, it's a who's who of British film. Uh, you know him from Gosford Park, The King's Speech, Life Aquatic with Steve Zazu, Gary Oldman, JFK, Dracula, True Romance, Fifth Element, Air Force One, just was uh, Churchill in uh, The Darkest Hour a few years back. Alan Rickman, he was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Sheriff of Nottingham, Sense and Sensibility, Dogma, Galaxy Quest, one of the few honest plot lines in Love Actually. Uh, David Thewlis, just saw him in I'm Thinking of Ending Things. He was a terrifying villain in uh, Fargo Season 3, as well as The Sandman. And uh, Emma Thompson, Nanny McPhee, Cruella, Batilda. Uh, she's done a lot of uh, kids' films recently. She's done a lot of Shakespeare. Our producer's saying, I'm being too hard on Mr. Grint. Rupert is also appearing in the newest M. Night Shyamalan film, uh, Knockin' the Cabin. Which I actually right. want to see that. Dave Batista. Uh Okay, so, so Jim, this is, a, this is a risky project. We're parachuting into the middle of an eight-film series, three films deep. You've never seen Harry Potter before. Uh, you pride yourself on not getting my Harry Potter references. I'm going to force-feed you a little Harry Potter history, so you, I'm going to get, tell you the bare minimum I think you need to know to, to have a hope of, of surviving this movie-going experience. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, Jim, to start with, what what do you know about Harry Potter? Uh, I've heard about Quidditch. I know he's a wizard, Harry. Uh, I've heard there's a guy named Snape. I think uh, okay. Snape's either played by 
uh alan alda or alan rickman i can't remember uh (laughs) that's pretty much it that's pretty much it okay all right that's not much to go on uh Mm -hmm. so you're you're coming into movie three coming in hot the third movie in the in a a eight movie franchise uh so harry potter's little boy who's famous in the magical world because when he was an infant, he survived being attacked by Lord Voldemort, which is the Wizarding's Hitler. Voldemort performed a killing curse on Harry, and it rebounded off him and killed Voldemort. No one understands how or why Voldemort's been dead for these last 13 years or so. Harry survives. It killed Both of his parents were slain, but he survives an orphan with a lightning bolt scar on his forehead. The only evidence that he was attacked by Lord Voldemort. What? Uh, a, Harry lives. Hmm, okay. Go ahead. He has a scar on his forehead. I've never seen that in any photo. They really don't emphasize it a lot in the uh, the Harry Potter movies. It's more of a, a, a bigger thing in the beginning of the movies uh, to establish his cred. But yeah, the scar um, uh, later, it is, becomes more of a plot point because it starts to like hurt in certain circumstances going on to the franchise, but you're not going to worry about that. Like now. when it rains, like when my joints yes. get tight. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. When it feels Voldemort, the outside <laughs> his his uh, scar starts hurting. Uh-huh. Um, he lives with his aunt and uncle cause he's an orphan and they're muggles and they hate him. Uh, muggles are he poor. He goes people, to, right. Muggles are just, there's non-magical people. Okay, damn. The, the wizards peasants. live amongst us. They are, they don't know, they're, they're, a, they're a secret thing, and non-magical folk are referred to as muggles. Oh, oh there's uh, one other thing I know about Harry Potter. It all takes place in, like, New York City or something, right? Like, our real world? Or it London? It takes place in, yes, in and around London, <laughs> suburbs of London. It's <laughs> wild, all right. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, it's it's a hidden, hidden world. Uh, the other thing is like this is like so, so think of this as like the first two movies are The Hobbit and the rest of the series is Lord of the Rings and you know how like in the beginning of the Lord of the Rings there was still a little bit of that Hobbit like you start off in the Shire and it's about a birthday party and it's really low stakes uh, well this is the this is where uh, Harry starts turning into it a teenager and the stories start getting darker like there's hint- more and more, ever more hints that Voldemort is returning uh, th- this is this. So, so the beginning of the the first fifteen minutes of this is not representative of the rest of the movie, nor what you'll get with the rest of it. It's 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 a little bit more lighthearted and absurd than than the 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 thing will will turn into. Uh, but I think that's uh, I think yeah, you got uh, pretty much you know like Henry or Harry's got two best friends. That's all that happens uh, in Ron the first two movies. He gets a scar on his forehead. Well, that just ha- that happens before the first movie. I'm Jesus, just, yeah. Does anything happen in those first two movies? They're long. Yeah, things like, so it's like Voldemort. Like so here's the thing: one, right? Voldemort, Voldemort is revealed to be retired, trying to return. He's non-corporeal. He doesn't have the ability to manifest his spirit. It persists, but he can't quite get a body. And the first two. Uh, all the movies are essentially his gambits to try to rematerialize into the real world, but the, most of the Wizarding world is ignorant of this happening. They are very much it's like if you heard that Hitler was coming back, it's like whatever, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so only Harry and his uh, most trusted mentor Dumbledore, who runs their magic school, are aware of the fact that that Voldemort is trying to remanifest. 
everybody else thinks it's a conspiracy theory. All right. Well, I'm probably going to have a lot more questions when we get into Maybe. the podcast. But but at least but at least you know the premise. You know the setup of the of of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, that's uh, now now we're going to go watch the movie and we'll come back and talk about it. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation, but get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the return of the king, don't forget May is the time to switch your Patreon tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.ballmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you. And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person, watch a mystery badass film with us, and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content plus ad-free feeds. And now, back with more Bald Move. Okay. Before you, 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 we've established your, we, we've gone and watched the movie and we've established your level of Harry Potter fandom, which is zero. Uh, I am a middle of the road Gen Xer and I didn't give a shit about Harry Potter when it was first coming out. Uh, I thought it was kid stuff. I was above it. Um, I started dating in my mid thirties again. And one of my girlfriends was super into Harry Potter. And I think I watched, I kind of had an ultimate gym experience where I just went to see the order of the Phoenix at the theater with no prep. And I'm like, damn, this is a lot wilder than I thought a Harry Potter film would be. I kind of dig this. And I watched all of the films up to that point. And then like, damn, waiting for the new films to come out. I'm going to read the series. And I started reading from the next book. I skipped all the others just so the nerds would hate me. And I read till the, the the end of the series, and then I couldn't get enough, and I went back and I read from the beginning. And I have watched I, I've watched these series about once a year um, uh, since. I really enjoy. I most often watch them with the Rift Tracks versions, which I think are are pretty excellent. Um, I think uh, yeah, I think Harry Potter is enjoyable from a a, a story crafting, storytelling, and a cinematic perspective. And I have a lot of fond memories of them. Jim, you've seen the movie once. Oh, uh-huh. by the way, this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one, oh, hands okay. down. What did you think of the film? Uh, as you said, I have a general antipathy for th- these things, right? Uh, Harry Potter being kind of the prime example of the things I couldn't give less of a shit about. Uh, that said, I think this is a... a, a finely crafted movie uh with with two maybe notable exceptions to kind of one pretty major problem i have with the movie and then a secondary kind of like eh not to my taste um so i don't know i came away thinking i i get why people like these movies but i still don't like these movies all right you have so you this did not ignite a love for harry potter within you no, this is not like 
seeing the princess bride because like it's hard it's impossible to basically not have any knowledge whatsoever about like anything harry potter like i knew what a muggle was i knew like some of the terminology around some of this stuff just from Mm. cultural osmosis uh with princess bride it was weird because i knew a lot about that movie i had seen almost the whole movie in pieces uh that one i came away from liking quite a bit this one see there's eh. There's been like two or three movies that we've gone over in Bald Move where I was personally invested in whether you would like it or not. And I remember The Princess Bride was one of them. The big one is Master and Commander Far Side of the World. Like I was really it's like if you're like, yeah. you know, I fucking hate this film. I'm like, Jesus, can we even be friends anymore? <laughs> this is more of like I'm interested in like a t- like we just got a, f- a frozen caveman. Mm-hmm. came out of the, a crack in some glacier from 7,000 years ago, sit him in front of Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, does does the man like it? And I'm getting the uh, the unfrozen caveman and saying, meh. Saying, eh, yeah. I, I, can see, I can see why you modern people like it, but <laughs> give me an old-fashioned mammoth hunt if you want to get my uh-huh. pulse be- pulsing. Yeah, back in my day, there was none of this magic wand stuff. Yeah, Can't I don't know. Seven thousand years ago qualifies you as a caveman. You you, you might just be a, a dude, but but still, still like culturally, you you mm-hmm. might as well be a caveman. Uh, this is uh, yeah. I was I was I was honestly kind of hoping for you either to hate it or love it. I don't know what to do with this uh, <laughs> benevolent apathy towards the project. And I mean, look, I, I fashion myself as an amateur film critic. And I yeah. can't just shit on this movie because I, th- I do think it's fairly well made i would say the visuals like you said are very good um the the sound the score is very good i mean of course it's john williams right like mm-hmm. when has he made a bad score uh the thing that leaves me kind of cold is just how silly some of it is and mm. and just like the the i guess the possibility space in worlds like this is just too big for me to get excited about I need yeah. more structure to my worlds, and this has th- this is the opposite of structure, right? I mean, I don't even know how right. you can be a wizard and not go fucking insane because your life is chaos and insanity every second of every day. Nothing yeah, means there's... anything. Anything can happen at any moment to the point where Harry Potter is occasionally surprised by events, and I don't know why the fuck he's surprised by anything at this point. Yeah, that's how can uh, a child a... who's lived this life be surprised by anything? That is an ongoing uh, source of humor in the riff tracks is the guys are constantly like when you get five movies deep and Harry Potter is jaw a drop at some basic transformation that's happening for him. He's like, uh-huh. Jesus Christ, boy, you've flown on a fucking hippogriff and a, a door splitting in two becoming two doors is blowing your top now. Like, why does it? But, mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, uh, you point a camera at poor Daniel Radcliffe and you say, "Jaw gape, kid! Wonder of magic." He's got to he's got to get up for that. Seven, eight movies, you know, he's got to get up for that. Even when they split a perfectly good movie into two pieces, making one kind of boring and shitty, he's <laughs> oh, still got to get up for that, Jim. It's true. Uh, they pay him for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're just 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 a, a meh experience. I. So why we're in this down, like why would a natural low energy downbeat because my partner's apathy? Let's talk about something else that uh, is kind of a bummer. I have a little bit of personal experience with this. Uh, This is the J.K. Rowling of everything. Ah, Um, When I was growing up and I was a teenager, I had my mind blown 
by a series of books written by one Orson Scott Card. Oh, yeah. And it was a military kind of YA book uh, that had in embedded in it like a Sabo round, a kernel of like people can be very, very different and, and even alien consciousnesses. And we can hurt them in, in ways that we can't conceive sometimes. And we should have just broader understanding and empathy and patience towards other people's viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And that was a profound thought for a guy growing up in an intensely insular, religious, secular institution. That was my mom's blind spot. She didn't see science fiction coming for religion. She, she, <laughs> she would protect all the Harry Potters, all the, the warlocks of the day, but she didn't see the, the, the slow blade of science fiction cutting into my mind. And that, that was a really, really big deal for me. And then I grew up and I found that Orson Scott Card could not fathom a world where two men could get married and it would mean the same as his marriage that he had to his wife and his family. Mm-hmm. How, how does that shit happen, Jim? I, I want to say lack of imagination, but clearly it's not. <laughs> It's just like it, it It honestly beggars my imagination to see how you can write words like that mm-hmm. that can have such obvious meaning and application. And then you get it to your own life. And you're like, nah, nah. Yeah, the final chapter of Ender's Game is, well, it was at the time. I haven't read it since. But when I was a teenager, it was probably the finest piece of writing I'd ever written or ever read. Yeah. Uh, and it was very moving. And yeah, to find out that that man is a bigot is really weird. And the kind of bigot that's like, it's like, it'd be, it'd be one thing if like, he was just like out and out hateful. Like I just hate gay people and I don't think they should exist. And, uh, you know, dinner's like off up, but like, he always like couched it in the most reasonable kind of like, I'm just asking questions. I, you know, it's like, I, gay people are fine, but like, do they need the, do they need to have all the rights that we have? What, what's that do to society? It's like, it's, it's that kind of insidious thing. And I think about, you know, that was that was there's a wild experience for me to, to live through. And I think about like, OK, or, or uh, Ender's Game was a big deal for me, but it wasn't like Star Wars. Right. It wasn't like Star Trek. And I think it's like, mm-hmm. what would I feel about Star Wars or Star Trek? It turned out that like Gene Roddenberry was like, you know, a, a, a soft bigot. Or George Lucas was like, you know, uh, had some, you know, went on to after Star Wars, made a couple of uh, science fiction series about how gay people shouldn't get married. That would be really fucking rough. And how would I feel about Star Trek and Star Wars? Um, I mean, it's funny because in real life, George Lucas did almost murder my love for Star Wars and he did without being hateful, (laughs) bigoted at all. He just he just started sucking. Oh, he was hateful, Um, just not toward people. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, you know, like how would like, you know, if um how would my uh gay friends feel about me if I continued to consume Star Wars stuff? Like would they see that as like, you know, death of the author type stuff and you know, would it uh, be different if I was like spending $5,000 to go on George Lucas personal guided tours of Lucas Ranch or if I'm pirating the movies because I don't want to support them financially anymore? If he's already a multi-billionaire, does it really even matter if he gets five more cents for my stream? I- I'm talking around this because like I can't, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't like this. This isn't my Star Wars like Harry Potter I thought was nifty. It's a YA thing. I think it's cute. I like watching it at Christmas time. And it's a real, this whole JK shit is a real bummer to me. Um, yeah. Like, but I can't, liking things, investing in things, it's a real minefield. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I can't tell people how to think or feel about the stuff, and and uh, you know how this impacts their their communities and their friends and families. And I've seen a wide variety of spectrum. And I think it is. I think it is a spectrum. There's like, mm-hmm. you know, um, there there's like a scale of of how you feel about this from like being really publicly defensive of J.K. Rowling and show oh, she's you know she's 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 not the type of hateful transphobe that you guys are talking about. She just kind of likes and retweets that stuff occasionally um you you know it's like i i can't there's 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 a spectrum between like super support and like you know hatred and rejection and and where you fit in and like what do you think is morally defensible um i don't know i it's it's like i said it's not my generation it's not my fight um i hope this doesn't come across as mealy mouth because again it's like you know we're talking about michael jackson uh we're talking about Roman Polanski. We're talking about Harvey Weinstein. Uh, these are all like monstrous people that have made, uh, have had instrumental roles in making some really great art. And how do we feel about that? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's something that we will continue to figure out. And it's kind of unfortunate. This is the timing of this commission is like, this is going to be releasing kind of, maybe it is fortunate just to have a conversation that's releasing kind of on the eve of pride. Mm, yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't I, I don't have much else to say about it. I, I I'm sure there's some people think that we maybe shouldn't have taken the commission. There's others thinking that, like, we're probably making a big deal too too big of a deal at it right now. Um, you know, what do, do you have anything else you want to say or should we move on? I mean, I haven't really. Obviously, I don't care about Harry Potter, so I have not been following J.K. Rowling's uh, social media adventures. So I don't really know much about it as as far as like. How hateful she is, I've, I've heard generally that she's pretty shitty towards trans people. And yeah, uh, definitely not cool. It's it's not something I have to worry about here, but it does bring up the question of, yeah, like if something I loved, if Star Trek were to become that under somebody's supervision, I don't know. I'd probably have to think about that pretty hard. I've been fairly lucky in that regard that things I care deeply about have been largely untouched by that stuff but that may not always be the case yeah i mean because like i just this yeah i have other franchises that could be easily problematic kind of like in the same way that punk rock has a continually nazi kind of fascist you know this aggressive angry music attracts a certain type of person like one of my other favorite things sure. warhammer 40k is about essentially far-flung future space Nazi Catholics, and those are the good guys, and it gets worse from there. That attracts a certain that aesthetic attracts a certain type of of, of shitbird. Uh, but you know, to the the great, Games Workshop works really hard to like make sure that like like a lot of the best of the punk rocks, like you know, you're the the that that type of attitude is not welcome here. This is all parody yeah. and satire, and if you want to fucking goose step. You're in the wrong fucking community to do it. Uh, you were about to say something about uh, the expanse is about yeah. the closest I've come to a brush with that with Cass and Var. Uh, oh, and Jesus. stuff went down with him right. and being kicked off the show and all that. Uh, that. That was a bit of a reckoning, but they they fixed the problem there, <laughs> and so yeah, I I don't feel too bad about still being an expanse fan. And the other thing that's complicated about JK, if I'm getting really real, and Orson Scott Card is like one of the things that I, it, it, when I butt up against their particular brand of kind of like 
well-mannered, polite bigotry is that mm. that is exactly who I was 25 years ago. <laughs> gotcha. I was uncomfortable about homosexuality and gay people because I was fed a whole bunch of propaganda about the stuff. And like I didn't, but I, I did. I knew I wasn't like a fucking ugly bigot, you know? Mm-hmm. So like I found all the right news articles to read and all the right statistics to make sure that I didn't really care about the dudes having sex. It was more of like the societal, uh, and I guess I kind of secretly root for these people to like have the right Jenga blocks pulled out of their mind to where they can kind of see the light and, you know, yeah. undo some of the, I think, real damage that they do to society. Like, you know, Orson Scott mm-hmm. Card dipping his fucking toe in the waters 20 years ago was a huge inflection point in like the sci fi community. And um yeah so anyway that's 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 why i feel about it and uh hopefully we can go forward and talk about this movie uh we we can uh like i said lean in to the hissable villain or the redeemed hero jim because uh i I got i got nothing but (laughs) but love other than the jk rowling of it well let me Um, tell you about the two things that i don't like about this movie or do do you want to do a recap is it important to recap can we get the keen and the maggie's intro thoughts and then got some deep stuff that they want to get to the end of the podcast then sure then uh yeah we'll we'll talk about it uh keen and maggie uh they commission this podcast they say harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban is one of my favorite movies of all time me too Me too, unironically. While I do enjoy all the Harry Potter films, I feel as though Azkaban is where the characters really start to grow. The childish factor is diminished, and the movie as a whole is more dark without losing any of the fantasy. My personal opinion, I think the entire Harry Potter film franchise would make for a good Groundhog Day marathon, but I don't want Jim to feel too tortured with that request. Would it even work? Do you have enough, like eight movies? Yeah, and, and Fantastic Beast or woof, woof. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, I also believe this film will win a Baldy for Best Commission podcast. Strong words. Strong oh, words. I'm really going to lean into the villain role. Okay. Um. So let's. Uh, I do. We, so I do. I need to do a synopsis movie because, like, if you are at all curious about watching Harry Potter, uh, you probably should start at the first movie. Even though they are like so, like like I, I mentioned in in my little boot camp for Jim, uh, the first two Harry Potter are essentially the Hobbit of the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. and this is the film in which it pivots to more Dark Lord territory. Um, so, like, I could give you a synopsis of I, I just gave you the synopsis of Harry Potter the Universe a couple minutes ago. I, I don't know if we need to do it. Uh, we might just jump okay. right into like spoilers from here on out. If you are wanting to preserve your Harry Potter virginity for something meaningful down the line, bail now. Pull the ripcord. Because Jim's about to say his top two issues. The top two things he hates. Issue number one. Other than J.K. Rowling's casual transphobia. The top two issues he has with Harry Potter. (laughs) Issue number one. Boy, the beginning of this movie is real stupid. Everything before Harry gets to is he at hogwarts i think the school yes everything before he gets <laughs> okay. to hogwarts everything before he gets to the school sucks that's, it is that's, for that's, babies it is as it is dumb as hell uh i hate yep. every moment of that yep i predict i didn't know if you'd hate it but like that is the bilbo baggins birthday party you know it's that so is stupid the, <laughs> The so last stupid. vestige of the innocence of these movies before it's about to be swept away and the mentors sucking your soul out become a thing that happens <laughs> in this this happy 
Yeah. Do you know that um, Roger Ebert is the anti Jim and Aaron of this because he really loves the first two directed by Chris Columbus that were very faithful to the books and very whimsical and very kitty hmm. friendly. And mm-hmm. he decried the slow decri- descent of Harry Potter into tortured adulthood. It's the story of our thought, lives, man. Look around you. I sometimes think Ebert was a little too precious when it comes to children. and Or maybe he got that way when he became a grandparent later in life. Because, like, I felt like earlier, like, he would praise family entertainment that would ha- did, did do serious subjects and, and engage. But maybe he does think this is not a serious treatment of the the darkness but uh you, you didn't you it's didn't like the serious i mean this is, so so that's the one thing i did know about harry potter the the series is it was written to kind of grow up with the child who started yes. with book one and that that makes a ton of sense and i feel like smart you don't want to have eight movies that are like the first 15 minutes of this movie because you would age out very rapidly uh, unless you're the kind of kid who plows through eight books that are right. as thick as my uh, forearm uh, in a year, I don't. I don't think that's true of most kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the the first few are small, you know, shorter, kind of like more kid sized books, and then they get longer and more in depth as the kids' maturity warrants it. But uh, but yeah, and, and vice versa, you wouldn't want to have a kid series that starts right out the gate at like the half blood prince levels of violence and darkness, totally. because ten and eleven year olds would not be like, oh my god, this is terrifying. And, and um, I think that's a big part of the enduring popularity of Harry Potter is. It grew up the the kids that grew up reading it grew up with Harry and with yes. Hermione and with Weasel Man. Yeah, and it's not just even like the darkness of it. Like Harry starts having age appropriate you know interest in the members of the opposite sex, and there's some dating, and there's school dances, and this it's all very uh, you know the first kiss. It's all it's not just all wands and wizards and dark lords. There's also a core of relatable teenage. And and wish fulfillment. The fact that Harry Potter is both a loser in real life, but he's also like this awesome wizard in the secret wizarding world. That's you know pretty well well trod stuff. But but you're, the, the stuff, price yeah. of all that is you got at the very you know you 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 joined the series right as Alfonso Cuarón was pulling the Harry Potter out of the saccharine trench. You know he just uh-huh. just just cleared it. Um, so your yeah, first yeah. problem is. The exploding ant of everything. Oh, yeah. And the night bus, all that stuff is real dumb. <sighs> uh, the night bus is really, yeah. Like, God, it doesn't, mm, it doesn't even respect the universe's own rules, Jim. What fucking wizard takes the night bus? Do you know how many ways wizards have to transform, to transfer I mean, brooms, themselves around the planet? For one, brooms? There's mm-hmm. a flu powder network. We just throw dust in a fireplace, and you can uh, transfer. You can translate what? to any place else, any other fireplace, and I guess the world. You can, you can disapparate. That's how Santa does it, hmm. which is just yes. He uses the flu <laughs> network. This is canon. You just disappear and reappear wherever the fuck you want. Yeah. What? Who takes the fucking night bus? Yeah, why well, have a night bus? I don't know. None of that stuff made sense. Underage it was wizards. Weird- it was not even just weird from like a tonal perspective of like, oh, this is too kitty and silly for the rest of this movie. It's weird yeah. from like, 
the, the, are the shrunken heads a thing throughout this this series? Because like, well, they feel is... completely out of place in this wizarding world that is basically England. I see, and I don't know because like, um, I don't, I can't remember whether that like Rastafarian shrunken head is in the book or not. Mm-hmm. Because if it's in the books, then this is like I think uh, a really good example of the kind of careless appropriation that goes on in yeah. some of the margins of Harry Potter. It's just kind of like, what the fuck is even what the? But I I can't swear for sure. And there's mm-hmm. loads of other examples you could give. You know, like I said the Goblin Bankers and whatnot. Um, but 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 yeah, it just it it felt like whimsy for whimsy's sake. And misplaced whimsy. Like I, I feel like it should have been something more appropriate for medieval uh British stuff, right? Like not Rastafarian J- Jamaican stuff. That's uh, weird. It feels so out of place. Well, there's like a a, re- a close related scene where Harry Potter arrives at uh, Diagon Alley and he's at the Leaky Cauldron and uh, they mm-hmm. walk in and there's this wizard that's conspicuously reading Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time while yeah. he's stirring he's stirring uh, he's stirring his something. tea with a spoon that he's stirring with his finger in the air and Just like there's this the spoon man some of the coolest world building I think JK does is like this uneasy mix at the borders of muggle and wizard territory where like there are some wizards that are fascinated by the you know the muggles and like their inventions like they don't have magic so like they but they have microwaves and like the wizards don't know anything about how that shit works and there's like Mm -hmm. weird regressive elements of wizard society like the fact that like wizards might not know about quantum mechanics (laughs) like they have executioners with giant axes Right, that they can hire. Well, that's fucked up. That's the other thing. It's like sometimes they wear like suits, like business suits, with maybe mm-hmm. like a cape over them. And sometimes you've got like the full Dumbledore, where he's just f- f- fucking oh, got wizard sleeves and shit. Yeah, he's got yeah. got a silver chain belt in his beard. Like what? Uh, it 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 is kind of all over the place. But I like that yeah. the fact that there is some the wizards that are like what. Like like reading Stephen Hawking's and their mind are being blown in the same way that a muggle would have their mind blown by seeing someone stirring tea with with a magic spoon. Or Harry Potter would have his mind blown by seeing a bit of magic happening in front of him. So it's interesting because Harry Potter is like one of the he's a good audience surrogate because he did not grow up around magic. He died. His parents died and he was orphaned and his uh, his aunt and uncle have raised him as if he is just an underprivileged sad sack child so he didn't know until he got invited to Hogwarts that he was in fact a wizard so he is fair play kind of mind blown for the first few years of Hogwarts at like what all you can do with magic okay is this like his second year third Oh, okay. I, I, Roughly, I'm telling you, the, uh, I was giving him a couple. This is the this is the thing where he should start to be a little bit of a hardened badass. <laughs> yeah, if, and... if you're a sophomore and you still can't find, if you if you're a junior, in this case, and you still can't find the room you're supposed to be in, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. If you if you don't know how to open your locker and you're a junior, you you probably gonna in, fail in this, out. In the seventh movie, both Ron, who was born to magic, and Harry will have their mind blown by the fact that Hermione has a bag of holding. Which is essentially a bag of infinite capacity. Okay, They're like, yeah. whoa, Hermione, you're the best witch of the age. Like, Jesus Christ. 
Can we you, rewind time and get one of those for me too? You guys just went camping in an infinite sized Doctor Who tent two movies ago. What's your problem? <laughs> yeah. What's wrong Ridiculous. with you, Ron? Anyway. I forget where we were going with this, but Harry is uh, the audience surrogate, I think is what you were saying. Yeah, the fact that you, I think that one of your problems is that why is Harry Potter's mind blown with all attempts at magic and the night bus and how just silly, silly everything was. No, yeah, eclectic all the wizarding is. Um, some of that stuff works. The night bus stuff did not for me. This whole intro sequence is garbage. Uh, problem number two Okay, happens way, way, way later in the movie. I think most everything between problem number one and problem number two is fine to good. What's problem number two? Just well, okay, well, yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, why does Harry not? Why does Harry Harry suddenly not care about catching Peter at the end of this movie? He's got the means to do it. He has an infinite chances to do it because they can rewind time. They've already done it. Why does he not care about catching Peter Pepperidge Farms or whatever his name is? Peter <laughs> Peter Paddington Bear? I don't know. Peter Paddington Bear, Pepperidge Farms, <laughs> Pettigrew the Third. Pettigrew, thank you. Yeah. He uh Like he was gung ho. He was so gung ho he was about to blow up their spot uh right. several times. Hermione had to literally physically restrain him from going out there and kicking Pettigrew's ass. And yet at the end of the movie, he does not have a care in the world that they have a time machine that could go back and stop Peter Pettigrew in his tracks. Get revenge that's, for killing his parents. That's a good question. I think like, I don't think he wants revenge anymore. He wants Pettigrew to be in prison, but like, yeah, you're right. Like, why not? He'd be like, okay, Pe okay, okay, Hermione, we did pretty good that run. We're going to ace it this time. We're going to make sure uh -huh. Pettigrew doesn't get away. We're going to do the whole... Yeah, I mean, they, they have this, like, one little fig leaf where, like, Hermione says, wizards can get in a lot of trouble manipulating time and the idea that, like, going back... And yet back you're and doing, doing it to take two classes at once. But that's... Okay. So that's the real problem is, like, I don't think J.K. Rowling much considers the implications of her world building. She just, like, oh, that's a nice idea, and she just does it. Mm -hmm. Um Time travel is, I mean, look, we've seen enough time travel movies between uh -huh. Terminator, Primer, all this stuff. Time travel can get bonkers, and this work recognizes that, and yet Professor McGonagall gives Hermione a time machine just so she can get an extra couple credit hours in wizard school. Does this come back later? Is, like, she, is she actually, like, super important, and she needs to have crazy smarts and skills? later in the I series mean, or is this that's just... the thing is like that's always been Hermione's bag she's always better than the boys for sure but she can like, do that through thing... hard work and and, yeah. and stick to itiveness not through time travel and multiple classes at once yeah yeah that's a good, a good point because like it's not that Hermione was lazy and she was using the time turn to like you know uh fuck off and she she was just doing it to work extra hard but like, and, and that might be okay if she like absolutely needed some of those skills later. But I guess they don't show you enough of what she's doing. Well, in this also, movie is for like, it to be does McGonagall, does McGonagall offer that to just any kid that like wants to get ahead? Because otherwise, it's like it's a it's an unfair con advantage. Like what? Like there might be like <laughs> sure. Hermione might be an intense three way valedictorian race on her ordinary wizarding levels or whatever her newts or I don't know. Uh, 
and and McGonagall's like, here, take this time turner. It's the secret, and she's and she's gonna run laps around these other these other students. That's not fair. Oh, definitely not fair. This is the wobble, and the thing is, is like I would like to tell you it gets better, but honestly, J.K. just that's that's my my that's my biggest criticism of the whole fucking deal is she just makes new shit up. Uh, each each the last three books introduce some new mechanic that makes the next book possible. Gotcha. And, and, and it's it, I'm always, torn on it because it's the thing that makes this movie cool. The time travel. It's also the yes. thing that I think breaks. It, and it didn't have to break it, right? Like if Harry actually did catch Pettigrew, yeah, uh, and deliver well, him Pettigrew to prison, to I get... think that all makes sense. And then they can say, "Well, it's just too dangerous to use this over and over again." Sure. Or, or if like, I think what should happen is the Ministry of Magic comes in at the end of their last, the the, the most recent time circle, and being like, "What is this? These children?" And then you got a time like, and they confiscate it, like you know, the fact that like sure. this should never been in, you know. And uh, McGonagall and Dumbledore both look sheepish, but what are you going to do? We won. You know, y- y- they could have just done have something. Harry forget this... that the guy who killed his parents is getting away. But I think it's like he yeah, also made a little bit good. of character development that like he also genuinely doesn't need. He's not as consumed with revenge because but but also I don't know, because also Pettigrew holds the key to his uncle's innocence and rehabilitation, right. which. That's one of the the best parts of the movie, the fact that Harry comes so close to getting... I mean, you get an idea of his family life is not great, mm-hmm. but he's so close to getting like a really loving, supportive family unit with his godfather. Can we talk about how bonkers the idea of a godfather is in this universe? Were James and Lily Potter Catholic? <laughs> Were they Catholic warlocks? Yeah, I mean, they're was, English, did, right? Did they drag him into a whole ass church and have him have him sprinkled? Ah, uh, they must have. Yeah, before they knew he was, before he knew he was a wizard, I guess he would have gone along with that sort of thing. That's always like Godfather, Godfather. Interesting. Uh, you're talking, you're talking about Gary Oldman, right? Yeah, is his Godfather. What do you think of Gary Oldman? Because I Boy, thought the they tricky... do a hard turn on him, huh? When, when they kind... reveal, and and how does does that turn? Because does that turn work for you? And how many? And if Pretty it did, much. how many? I right, and I think it's only yeah. because Gary Oldman is a charming motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, he goes from like s- screaming, raving lunatic. Like you look at his wanted poster, and he looks like well, you can't show, you can't put this character on screen because he's just gonna be yelling. And tearing his hair out and rolling around his own shit for 40 minutes. And then he just kind of turns and becomes a normal dude. Actually, a really cool dude. It's 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 only down to Gary Oldman being awesome. It's so iconic. His screaming from the Daily Prophet, (laughs) like that sepia tone magic picture, which I love about the Harry Potter universe. He just he's just holding his prisoner number and he's screaming probably Mm because he's being actively tortured by Dementors. Yeah. yeah. And he he steps out. He's in rags and he's like, you know, he looks like he's been in a concentration camp for six months. and He's got Eastern promises, gang tats on him and rotten teeth and scratch. I also think they they did similar to like, you know, in Austin Powers when he actually got with like, uh, you know, uh, Elizabeth Hurley. And they're like, let's pump the brakes a little bit on the nasty teeth makeup. You know, I I think (laughs) they I think at the shrieking Shrek, that's like the peak deranged. And then they 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 remove one layer of like 
hobo makeup from him every single mm-hmm. take that goes on until when he's talking about you know harry i'm your godfather and uh i'd like for you to live in my magical mansion with me he's like almost normal looking gary oldman he brushed <laughs> yeah, his it teeth doesn't work and his hair if he's yeah clawing at his face and screaming and scratching at his eyeballs yeah. it doesn't quite he, work he had he a says, few wizards with me he had a few wizard swastikas uh, tattoos uh-huh. removed. Uh, he's 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 a little bit more of a solid citizen, and when he gets to the, t- but but also Gary Oldman's a charming motherfucker. Totally, yeah. I don't know uh, how many character actors could do that in extreme, and it happens really quick. Like there's that that scene mm-hmm. where Loop Professor Lupin comes in, and you think he's going to save Harry, and then it's like that fine that other twist. And oh god, I forgot about the whole frozen caveman aspect of this. Did that twist work on you? Because like I, it, it had Which no hope twist? of working on me of because because like the, the twist where it revealed that Gary Oldman that the uh, Sirius Black was not the evil guy who betrayed Lily and James Potter. It was actually Peter Pettigrew. Did you buy that uh, that that Sirius Black was in fact evil up until the reveal? Did you buy that Lupin was in league with him? Like I don't know. Did you see that? Because like when I got to that point since I started at Order of the Phoenix, I already knew Pettigrew was evil and he was mm, an animagist gotcha. that could turn himself into a rat because that, you know, kind of continues throughout the series. Um, so, but I, I always thought this was a pretty well-crafted plot that would have worked on me otherwise. Yeah, a couple of times during this movie, I found myself trying to outguess it and being like, uh, and it started, you know, when it started is when they get on the train, um, and they sit down in the car and there's a dude underneath a coat. And I'm like, right. oh, well, that's Sirius Black right there. It's uh, obvious. Sure. Turns out it's not, right? It's uh-huh. Lupin. And then somewhere around the midpoint of the movie, I'm like, oh, well, he's either Sirius Black or Voldemort. Turns out he's not, but he's not not something else, right? So so they're like teasing you, giving you little hints that something is not right here throughout this movie. And I think they do that fairly well. And the reveal not being exactly what I thought it was made that kind of extra uh, good. Yeah, I, that's one of the reasons I think this movie is my favorite is this mechanically it feels very pleasing and how it mm-hmm. unwinds. Like you have you yeah. do have to accept the time turner and that the, the, the child would have this incredibly powerful technology. Um, but if you do like and there's some causality i think problems as well but like it i don't know it that it feels pretty tight and satisfying i even mm-hmm. what did you think of the reveal that harry potter was the one that was able to conjure the patronus that saved them because he was always the realization yeah. he was always the one gave him the confidence to ipso facto do it yeah uh made a lot of sense yeah but once you realize that they're going through this and once you see them across the lake you're like oh i well that's obvious now um yeah but yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty good, pretty good reveal. And I don't know if this is a thing. So I watched this with my wife, who is a Harry Potter fan. She's, I think, read the books, definitely seen the movies. Yeah. Um, she says that everybody always tells Harry he looks like his dad. And so when he sees his dad across the lake, you know, quote unquote, sees him. Uh, I, I thought that was pretty good. It made sense. Mm-hmm. that he would mistake himself for his dad because everybody says that. But I don't think they tell you that until after this, at least in this movie. I don't know if that's a thing in books or movies. One, no, Everyone two. says that like he looks just, he's a spitting image of his father, except for his eyes. His eyes are a perfect mother, clone of his yeah. mother's. Yeah. Um, what do you think of, uh, so, so serious black, great character. 
Um, I think maybe my favorite of the entire series. I love Sirius Black. Uh, I also really like Professor Lupin. And it's not very often I see David Thewlis in heroic roles, <laughs> but uh-huh. it's it blows my mind that this is the same guy that is VM Varga, Talk one of the most repulsive evil. <laughs> oh, one of the most repulsive evil people I can think uh-huh. of, and he's so fucking caring and beneficent and wise and gentle in this movie. David Thewlis, everyone, fucking yeah, werewolf with the heart character. of gold. I actually don't think Sirius Black is a very good character. Um, I think Gary Oldman yeah, does he's a good a job of portraying a very, very thinly uh, created character. But Thulis is equally as good. I love him in everything I've seen him in. And Lupin is a much better character. Lupin, I feel yes. like, is a real person with... Uh, dreams and hopes and desires and and needs and he feels well well drawn as as opposed to Sirius Black was is a sketch of a character yeah um when did you cotton on to the fact that he was a werewolf uh not until he started transforming I I kept expecting him to be always wondered uh Voldemort is what I was assuming Got you. Because there's a lot of hints in the movie, and I've always uh-huh. wondered if that twist uh-huh. would work as well. Because, again, I knew that Lupin was a werewolf in later se- uh, se- series. Because, like, I, I I thought it almost gave it away when Professor Snape comes in with the most bitchiest, passive-aggressive substitute teacher session in, in retrospect. Where he's like, everyone turn your books to the werewolf section. Uh, I want you yeah. to write an essay with particular attention to identifying werewolves and... I and and the Lupin's greatest fear. Do you remember what? Because you've only seen this movie once. Do you remember when the Bogart comes out and what his greatest fear is? Uh, it's the moon. Yes, the full moon. Mm-hmm. Fucking foreshadowing. The three step Martin revealed. You got Literally. you got Martin, baby. Uh, yeah, so they're doing a lot of stuff. Um, and one of the reasons I thought he might be Voldemort, a is because I've never seen this movie and I don't <laughs> know how mm-hmm. long they wait to reveal Voldemort. Um. B, he he says the words Voldemort. I did a Voldemort count in this movie. Three times ah, it's said. Yes. Twice by Harry, once by Lupin. Mm-hmm. And I assumed that he was able to say it because he was him. Uh whereas no they one do. else everyone else refused to say it, and I don't I don't actually know why. Because it doesn't seem like there's any consequence for naming Voldemort. It's it just a, it's a superstition. A that like when he I guess during his reign of terror that like just mi- the mere mentioning of his name would draw the attention of the and I don't know with wizards that that might literally be true. Well, it doesn't because um, Harry it says always, it twice. It always marks people in the series when they say Voldemort's name. It's like almost always identifies them as a supporter or a person who's like fearless. Like Dumbledore don't give a fi- fi- shit about saying Lord Voldemort's name because like hmm. okay. he wish he wishes a wizard would, but. Yeah, other people like I, you know, like Ron Weasley's dad uh, is kind of like, oh, got to you say you know who, and yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a social taboo. I don't know if it's got any real teeth to it either, but it's just like I don't know the way you can't have a swastika in Nazi Germany. It's just like it might even be that level mm-hmm. where it's like uh, an official kind of like so social stigma. Gotcha. Um, we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. 
Yeah, the I I I really like that uh, the David Thewlis and what he did with there. Um, did you like? So there's no way. There's a lot of like other early hints um, about the identity of the creator of the, of the Marauders map. Like, there's a lot of hints oh. that. Okay. Do you, did you get any of those? Uh, no. Who created the map? So it's like, oh god, I don't know if I'm a good enough Harry Potter fan to pull this off the top of my head, but it's okay, like so Mr. Prongs. This movie. No, it's like Mr. Prongs, Padfoot, oh, Wormtail, yeah. and Mooney. And that refers to uh, the four friends, Harry Potter's dad, Sirius Black, who is Padfoot, the one that turned himself. So they, these three friends, in solidarity with Lupin, their schoolmate, who got infected by a werewolf, learned the art of animagency so they could transform the animals when he would go and turn into a werewolf, and then they could go convert keep him occupied in the woods so he wouldn't kill anybody in but the shrieking like, shack or whatever and that's why yeah they call it that, yeah it's like harry potter's harry potter would turn into a stag and antler so he's prongs serious to turn into a dog so he's padfoot lupus uh was was moony uh, okay. and then wormtail is Pettigrew the rat so they were all best friends and Pettigrew. Fu- yeah I, I i think they actually make this explicit in a future film but it's a neat little yeah uh, my wife was telling me about that uh, but I yeah I didn't get that from this movie for sure. Um, another notable one is uh, Professor Sev- Severus Snape. Uh, oh yeah, Alan Rickman played by Alan the the late great Alan Rickman. Uh, we lost a lot of these people. Like, isn't Michael? Did Michael Gambon die? Uh, Robbie Coltrane Coltrane definitely did. Uh, mm-hmm. Alan Rickman is like this is like you know I think. All these movies are very well casted, but this might be amongst the best. I just think he does such a great job. That over-enunciation style that he does is just so good. And, like, in later movies, it almost is like a game he plays with himself. Potter to see how long he can draw it out (laughs) before the the director would be like, Are you fucking with us, Rickman? What? Do I got to drop you from a harness without telling you? Uh, uh, <laughs> I got a diehard you, Rickman, to get you to respect the director's chair. What did you think about Rickman? So condescending. Just his mm-hmm. whole manner is like, I am better than you. You should be ashamed for just being who you are. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love every second he, of it. He's such an asshole. Like again, mm-hmm. I, I talk about how he strides into the 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 defense against the Dark Oz class, and he's just wishing his wand around and shutting all the windows and. Um, but also this is the first part this is the first movie where I remember liking Snape because his first instinct when he comes across the kids out at night and he just thinks he's got them busted for being out of bed or whatever um, and that uh, you know there's some kind of uh, and Lupin is a werewolf and he turns around and sees that you know there's this mortal terror danger in front of him and his first instinct is the is the protect them kids like uh-huh. he literally yeah, shields yeah. him with his body and like you know what Snape might talk it talk it mean but he walks it pretty clean sure yeah I wonder I mean, if they'll launder his character to be a secret protagonist this entire time oh my god I wonder must be a fantastic beast thing <laughs> he's the most fantastic beast we ever had mm-hmm. Alan Rickman 
Um, this isn't a Snape-heavy movie, but it does have a couple of really good... Um, because he's, the other thing that's funny about um, Lupin is Lupin is by far the best defense against a dark arts t- kid, uh, teacher that these kids will ever have, Jim. I'm not even telling you. Oh, yeah? The first one was, an, was, was literally possessed by the Dark Lord Voldemort. <laughs> the second mm-hmm. one was a fraud that didn't know anything about defense against a dark art. Uh, the third one is Lupin. Solid. Ain't that the way? He's the good one. They run him out of the business. Fourth one, another supporter of Voldemort, the, the pre- pretending to be one of uh, Voldemort's staunchest uh, opponents, uh, Mad Eye Moody. Uh, the fifth one is a government stooge that's a clo- that's a closeted fascist and is deliberately teaching the children wrong. Uh, and then I think, I think Snape finally gets to be defense against the dark arts. Uh, chapter and and six and then the whole school gets taken over by the wizard nazis but like it's 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 kind of sad and ironic that these kids are born in generational they'll need defense against the dark arts more than anybody just get the run of the worst luck in Mm -hmm. defense against the dark arts uh teachers yeah he thulis in this movie uh is basically keating from dead poet society right yeah he's like the teacher that's a little bit of a renegade the inspiration is pretty fucking obvious and also like Ends you know shares a little out. bit of himself with his students to, to help and gets yeah secretly the best but gets run out by mm-hmm. a bunch of reactionary elements yep although he is a werewolf and that is dangerous <laughs> only if he goes outside so at this, night this right? is like this is like true blood the problematic nature of saying that the gay people are vampire analogs is like vampires sometimes kill people they rip their heads off yeah, yeah, and yeah. they they <laughs> control their minds and they recruit aggressively by the way um yeah no it's, it's, he's, he's literally a werewolf me, it, so that that scene also bothered me so the whole time travel thing bothers me it's it's this is why i'm so torn on it so they what happens to Lupin at the end of this? He just kind of runs off into the woods and then he comes back and he retires. He like, resigns I, I, because Dumbledore's getting letters from concerned parents about having a werewolf on staff. So instead of making Dumbledore fire him, he resigns to spare him the social awkwardness. He's gonna go walk the earth. God, all this so all this magic in this school, and they can't find a way. Well, there's several things they can't do, shockingly. They can't find a way to make him not a werewolf. That kills yeah. me. I feel like Dumbledore should be on that. Yeah, Problem number one to solve, you can't break, fix, apparently. fix this guy. Number they got two, potions that can kind of control it, apparently, but it's not. It's, it's something that's managed, <laughs> not cured. All right. Well, maybe I should uh, supply them a simpler task. How about fixing a broomstick? Can they use their vast powers to fix a fucking broomstick? Nope. No. <laughs> what the they hell, have, man? They have a spell that will repair eyeglasses from cracked no. glass and broken arms uh and broken bridges and stuff, but they yeah, you can't you can't cast that on something as complicated as a Nimbus two thousand or as a, as a piece of wood? Really? Mm-hmm. Was well, a Jesus. piece of magical wood, number one. Uh <laughs> okay. Same yeah. thing with like there's some things that are like fundamentally magical and they can't like it seems like w- w- uh, wands are something that are are devilishly hard to repair to like once you break that it's like you you might as okay. well get a better one a new one because it's never going to be as reliable as it. but yeah well how do they make the broomsticks if they can't repair them I think they 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 make them as conventional brooms and then enchant them but uh, 
there there is like laws magical laws i don't remember because again i'm not that big of a harry potter nerd but there are mm-hmm. like you cannot create food you can make food bigger and make more food from food but you can't create food or money from scratch oh uh so you, you can't make people you. fall in love although it seems like you can make people fall in lust which i think is good enough for a disturbing number of people uh you can't <laughs> okay. resurrect the dead Although uh-huh. you kind of can, sorta, it just hurts your soul. Uh, there's a, there, yeah, there, there's a lot of laws, and like most good laws, there's always exceptions. But um, there might be. I think one of them is like, yeah, some some of the curses are just, uh, you, you know, you you, you you can't break them. Like like Dumb- Oh, well, okay. this is like there's big spoilers for later movies, but a a very uh, central character gets hit by a curse that nobody can do anything about. That's a real bummer. Uh. I have so many questions about this world. Uh, these paintings on the doors in the crazy yes. staircase area. Yes. Why? I don't know. And one thing I've always gone back and forth are, are they sentient? Are they semi-sentient? They seem like it. And they'll be they have they'll, continuity they'll later. They'll, they'll later they'll have, they'll introduce paintings of people who were alive formerly. Oh, they're trapping souls in these paintings. I don't like is that, that. Is that what's happening? I I don't I don't Probably. know because because in the first movie they introduce trading cards and the one person's chuffed because they get a Dumbledore trading card and he's like oh I got a Dumbledore one and he looks at it a moment later and the card's empty and the person explains like what do you expect him to hang around in a card all day like. Does that literally mean that like if Dumbledore's on your trading card he has to like come and. That that's part of his yeah. his contract is like anytime a kid looks up at the card, he's got to go disapparate and inhabit the card for a couple seconds. You should I, use the time machine. Then he could like be I said, in two places at once. There's some sloppy ass world building. Um, but I oh, oh yeah. you, you want to know a world, piece of world building that I kind of like? Hmm. I kind of like the idea that there are certain branches of magic that are seen as disreputable within the magic community. Or like, like the divination uh, stuff, like or... like the divination stuff, or uh-huh. if that is a true art that there are fraudulent practitioners of it. I think that's okay. a really fascinating concept. Like wizards are like, that ain't magic. What? If try to read the future, that's 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 stupid. That's 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 myth. That's fantastic. <laughs> we shit can you're travel to do in the there. past, but trying to read the future, get out of here. Yeah. Or like maybe maybe you can read the future, but not with tree leaves, you dumb idiot. Like I, I just think that's really yeah, really fascinating. And I like the idea that uh I really like the two way hate affair that Hermione had with Professor Trelawney because she roasts the fuck out of Hermione when she's like, Oh, I never thought you had the spirit for divination. Oh, look at your hotline. It's mm-hmm. shriveled as an old maid's beneath your young body. Like, she's just roasting uh-huh. the fuck out of this kid just because she doesn't believe in her magic. Yeah. And then she's surprised when she gets up and bounces. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, another question with the world building. Uh-huh. Uh, are all of the books all of the textbooks as violent and shitty as Harry's and if so why do they make them that way the monster manual yeah I think that your idea when you so you you find out that that is Hagrid's book suggestion and Hagrid has always been the the the, giant the half giant gameskeeper that teaches about the the magical monsters the hippogriffs yeah 
Yeah. You always get the idea that he, because he's a half giant, he's larger and physically stronger and tougher. He just doesn't understand that people can get hurt by like these horde. Like he thinks these massive spiders and dragons and hippogriffs are all just like cocker spaniel type pets and he's bewildered that people are so i think he just doesn't he's like those all by far is the best book on monsters you want even though it's going to like bite the fingers off a of seven-year-old children he does he doesn't care because well, like made well, the book that way like what purpose does that serve to make the book it's the like, monster book of monsters animated. what part of that title do you not parse <laughs> sure it's thematically on point but usefulness <laughs> utility i i all like you gotta do is stroke the spine. For, you stroke yeah, the spine. Yeah. It, it teaches you how to deal. Your first monster is the book itself. Boom. Chapter zero. You done learned about monsters. <laughs> sure. Now go try and stroke uh, Voldemort's spine. See what happens. Uh, I wonder if there's like you know how like uh, I've seen some TikToks where people take a big book, a brand new book, a thick book, and they'll be like, "Oh, look at this brand new book." Ah oh, man, oh it's pretty stiff. I got to break it in so I can read it. And they proceed to like break every aspect of the spine just to trigger people who are like the type that only like crack open a book at a 15 degree angle so they mm-hmm. never break the book spine. I wonder if there's like underground snuff films where like students at Hogwarts just break this thing's spine over there like, you know, this is a oh, living yeah. book. Just shaw oh, Bane style of Batman. Yeah. Here there's first a- year, I got this monster manual broken in for you. Can't yeah, don't close let Peta get a hold of one of these books because they will never let it go, man. They'll they, never they hear won't. the end of it. They you won't. made a book that has feelings. That's fucked up. Uh, what do you think of your first exposure to Quidditch? Oh, this is my second exposure. So, uh, what you might not know is that I've actually seen the first movie. You fucking liar! <laughs> you fuck fraud! <laughs> And you, we're going to have to give the money back in this commission. What the fuck? This was back when I was in college, so it's been a good 15 years. Oh, you experimented with Harry Potter back in college? Is that what uh, you yeah, did? I, yeah, I was Potter curious. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I've i seen the first movie. I watched it like at a party with friends, and they were watching it. And it was, it was kind of like one of those... Uh, princess bride things for me where it was kind of on in the background we were all talking and hanging okay out. yeah yeah so, so i didn't movie. pay super close attention but i do remember seeing the quidditch match that's kind of all i remember from that movie uh quidditch seems to have really gone off the rails since then i i mean i don't know that it was ever firmly on the rails but mm. it is fully bankrupt at this point like what is the point of having a quidditch stadium if you're going to fly 18 miles into the atmosphere Past yeah, the clouds, no one can see you. The out of bounds is space when it comes to Quidditch. You yeah, know, there it's, is no it's bounded bounds. by the four columns and breathable atmosphere. Right. What is the point of a stadium at that at that point? That's a good question. Um, Quidditch is just a, it's it's a it's a sport written by people by a person who hates sports, and <laughs> it's designed to make Harry Potter a star player without having to understand anything because like the stupid game it's like it's one of those things where like every goal you score with the stupid quaffle is worth like 10 points and you have to win by i i don't know i I think it's like the games don't they they last until the snitch is found yes the games last until the golden snitch is found and that's why harry potter's job is he's the seeker 
when you when you catch a golden snitch, it ends the game and awards your team 170 points. Is that a lot? Well, it's like a soccer it's match. Worth 17 is... conventional goals, and I'm like, if you had so if if I oh, if I had a board Jesus game, Christ. if I had a board game, and I'm like, okay, here's how you play the board game: you laboriously slog through this thing and you score 10 points at a time. Or there's an entirely unrelated side game where you play it and it's kind of a random chance and if you successfully win it you score 17 goals and and the game ends and usually that means you won because why the hell would you pick up the snitch if you're like 18 goals behind right like what kind of fucking sport is this uh nonsensical one yeah yeah and there's like like i said like i've never seen a Quidditch match that didn't end with Harry Potter getting the golden snitch and winning because oh. that's, that's that's this one ends you know. with him falling to the ground and his broomstick breaking but so, I didn't actually see it end so true I bet Malfoy right. grabbed up that snitch and won the game uh, I noticed Hermione dodged who won or lost she just like you know goes right to the, the they broke your firebolt mm-hmm. the whomping willow um, I mean, yeah, this is the type of school that's got a whomping willow on its grounds. A, a tree that's its whole job is to just yeah, beat why? the shit out of children. I don't know. They why? they like having dangerous shit at the school. The school is not not safe. Not safe for children. Teaching them life lessons the hard way. They sure are. Uh, what did you think of the spell crafting? Where everything is essentially pig Latin. Lumos Maximus. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if I told you what is the spill, what is the spell for pickling a cucumber, what do you think it would be? Cucumbros piccolos. There you go. I, 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 that's now a canon spell. I, I think there's something charming about that. Uh, Dillus Maximus, maybe. I could also see that. <laughs> Dillus Crispius. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, it's silly. Uh, it, it's part of the thing that I one of the, some of the things I don't like about this movie is how dumb all the names are. They're real dumb. Like, like Sirius what? Black is a terrible name. Really? A- at least serious. when it's said. I mean, if you read the name on the page, it might be fine, but it sounds like a man who is very serious named Black. Yes. Like, if Jack Black decided to stop doing comedy and changed his name to Sirius Black, that's what I would think of. That's probably his... Um... Uh, acoustic album yeah his solo serious black solo project serious black no there's a, there's a, i don't understand where the wind like um where the whimsy breaks down to because one of the things the on uh the ongoing fascinations i have is the bridge there's this uh, big bridge that spans i don't know a river I, i'm not sure right i think it's the bridge you take to get over to the fucking village where all the kids go hang out and get into trouble when they're third years um why is that bridge wavy and bumpy and doesn't have right angles? Are like wizarding construction principles different than muggle ones? Must like, be. Wh- why do you? Why did your? Do you want your bridge to have these galloping curves as you go over it? It's a, it's a good question. I want to say there was a sub uh, substitute architect that day, and his magic just wasn't as good as. Well- and they also have the ever-changing staircases, but again, that's another. That's just something that's thrown in for whimsy. It's like, why in the hell would you yeah. ever want your uh, castle to constantly be reconfiguring itself? Yeah, you wouldn't. Why? Why would you want 
sassy door guards to to make yeah. sure that nobody's walking through doors like none of none of it is practical certainly yeah uh there's a couple things now that i think of it that they don't really address like the fact that uh harry puts a curse on snape and that just is swept under the rug that's never dealt with again like i i don't know how hmm. you expel Yarmus, a professor um like what is the because like, because the thing is the Snape was there to take these people into the hand and to, to dispense 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 justice and Harry's like nope Expelliarmus knocks him the fuck out for the rest of the scene no mm-hmm. repercussions of that nope no no ten points from Gryffindor but also you get ten points for being brave and hitting a teacher I, I don't know yeah I'm trying to figure out if anything was solved I guess the thing that was solved here is nothing like like they caught Sirius Black but it turns out Harry didn't want to catch Sirius Black so they go back in time and stop them from catching him mm. nothing was accomplished so he blasted a teacher and they didn't well, get what they wanted anyway and now he's not in trouble Harry got the truth I mean what Harry got was the truth the truth about oh, sure, his but what parents did the school the truth get? about Sirius Black because the school wanted to catch that. Sirius Black they didn't believe him when he said that Sirius Black wasn't actually the bad guy, they were going to cut his head off or whatever. See, the, the thing, school the other thing should is, feel like they got robbed. The other thing is, it. I always got the idea that Dumbledore knew about all this from the jump. I don't. I don't uh-huh. know how. I don't know how only Dumbledore knew that Sirius Black was innocent the entire time. Divination. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, because like, uh, there's there's a couple things I don't know make sense about Dumbledore's arc. Uh, with full knowledge of the series, looking back, it's like I I don't know because I because hmm. I do believe that she was kind of making shit up as she went along, sure. Until she got to like book five or six, like ah oh, fuck, I gotta I gotta I gotta I gotta come up with some lore to explain how all this is gonna the the go down. Um, the other the the other problem I have is when the children are doing the Bogart pro, uh, practice against the thing they fear the most. Someone transforms a giant snake. Okay, giant snakes, I guess, mm-hmm. are horrifying. Mm-hmm. It, they transform it into a nightmarish clown jack-in-the-box. <laughs> Equally as terrifying. Uh-huh. Like, not a friendly clown or a child. Mm-hmm. I've seen, like, you can you can do that. This is a terrifying jack-in-the-box cackling clown with wild eyes and garish goth makeup and... Just it looks like something out of a Tim, a scary Tim Burton movie. I, I don't. And everybody else turns their biggest fear into something that resembles their biggest fear, but is funny. Yeah, the person who does the snake doesn't do that. They turn it into something entirely different. Shitty witch, shitty witch job. Whoever, whoever well, did bad that. teacher for letting him get away with it. Lupin, what yeah. you doing? Yeah. Can we yeah. talk about it? Speaking of bad names, uh, what is Lupin's verse name? It's also a wolf related thing, right? <laughs> oh, God. What is it? Uh, Professor. Professor Wolfen Lupin. <laughs> Remus. Remus. Yeah. Remus Lupin. Yeah. One of the, one of the wolf known. boys of Rome. Should have known. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I gotta say that like I wish you had well you've seen the first movie and how like garishly bright it is there's a, there's oh, yeah, a yeah. couple of changes going from Chris Columbus 
who's a wonderful children's movie director, to Alfonso Cuaron, who didn't direct anymore, but kind of like David Yates takes over after this, who's a pretty good filmmaker, but uh, he just set the pattern. Like, you know, uh, just just like a slightly darker palette, slightly more mm. mature in its look. He got the kids out of the like wizarding robes with all the house colors. And, you know, they do that when they go into like class, but when in between class, when they're going to, you know, the, the village to get butterbeer, they're dressed like normal teenagers and stuff. Like I, I think he did a lot to like stamp the, you know, serious director, cinematographer quality on the 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 rest of the Harry Potter franchise, but you can see there's a lot of like really cool. Um, again, just the the palette is literally darker and it looks better. Um, I love in the in like the Leaky Cauldron. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I, I want to talk about that because I cannot tell you how crazy it is to me that Alfonso Cuarón directed this movie. It, it's it is kind of crazy. Every time you say that. It, it, it's like Harry Potter realizing they, they can time travel, right? Like, it blows my fucking mind. Children of Men, Roma, Gravity, like, some of the most serious and, and adult movies I can think of have been directed by Alfonso Cuaron. I don't know whether he was trying to make his name during this period and, like, just decided, I, I gotta do this movie so I can be a big director to go do the serious things I want to do, but it is wild to me. Well, I guess his he's BFF is Guerrero de, del Toro, and he was talking about like, yeah, there's Warner Brothers wants me to do this ser- series. It's based on this kid, and like, you know, del Toro was this huge fan. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? You need to read these books and sign yesterday. And so, like, I get you know, I can see why Guerrero Guerrero de, del Toro would would counsel that. And it's it's a, it's obviously and at this point, a, a smart I mean, movie. Harry Potter is a pretty big thing, right? It's not like. Harry Potter yes. is unknown. It's just a series of books. We don't know if it'll make yeah. a good movie. It's the third one. But this is a wild direction to take because, again, it's like uh-huh. I could see them following the Chris Columbus, which because the other thing about Chris Columbus is he tried to like one to one adapt the book to the movie. And you could get away with that in the first two because they're relatively short. But those movies, the first Harry Potter movie is like at two hours and 45 minutes long. It's really fucking long for a Jesus. kid's movie. And it feels it. <laughs> I actually think this huh. movie is slightly too long. There's a couple of uh, action scenes like the Whomping Willow at the end where it's like, I don't know why they added that. It just arbitrarily made the movie two or three minutes longer and stretched out the section. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't know. Kids get bored if you don't have an action scene every five minutes, maybe. But yeah. like, I just think he did such a great job of just finding like the the when uh, Ron Weasley's dad is explaining the situation to him about Sirius Black in the beginning of the movie, they're having this conversation in Leaky Cauldron. They explore that whole set. Mm-hmm. Like, and it it, it it never draws attention to itself. It's like, you know, like, you'll see someone get a little too close to a conversation and uh, Arthur Weasley will grab Harry and, like, shoot him around a co- column. It, but it, it's it has really... a vibe, like, in Children of Men when there's the shelling happening and yeah. stuff. And I'm like... It feels conspiratorial and it has like, you know, Harry's in the dark uh-huh. and then he's in the light and uh, Arthur's in the light and in the dark and it's it's like whispered and you feel like you're in a truth. Like there's this little touches like that where Chris Columbus had, you know, a lot more pedestrian ideas of how to make a film. Um, yeah. There's this like all the transitions from scene to scene are gorgeous. Like there's this one shot of the kids walking down from the uh, divination tower where you see this just giant st- spiral staircase and Ron and, and Hermione and uh, and uh, uh, Harry are having a conversation. 
when they're transitioning from uh, the castle to Hagrid's hut for the first class, they like give he gives like a Dutch angle to that uh, path that makes it look like it's as steep as hell. And it's just I don't know. He's just got an eye for making these locations that kind of were mundane, a little bit more magical and a little bit more impressive and just really dresses up these walk and talk scenes that that you kind of need. There's a lot of exposition in this movie. Um, and he just adds so much kineticism to the scenes and mm-hmm. sense of depth and uh, just like really some of the the greatest touches. Like I love so much that they have a chorus of children that are singing like Macbeth themed operas that feature a backing Boyle. section of toads. Boyle. Oh, okay. I love the sure. toad backing section. They're playing toads like instruments. It's brilliant. Yeah. Who like who a, came like up a with pipe that? Organ, except toads. So that's Alfonso Cuarón squeezing toads to make the get to get the bass notes out. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. All right. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like that. That's just in there for world building and is kind of you know there and then gone the next second. And if you pick up on it, that's cool. If not, it doesn't matter. Um, Do you know what I think is an underrated part of the Harry Potter films that I don't see talked about a lot? What's that? And it's what how excellent a watch they are for like Christmas breaks. The nature of these Harry Potter films are like an entire school year, and Christmas is usually a bigger part or like a wintertime scene. Like you had the the, the great one where they go to the village and Harry sneaks out uh, oh, with the help of the cloak. Marauder's map and his invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. And they have a snowball fight. There's like a lot of great Christmassy scenes and music in these movies. And I, I don't know. I always feel get the hankering to rewatch Harry Potter like over Christmas break or early in January. They feel like winter movies to me. I don't know why. All right. You bring up a good topic here. We got to talk about this invisibility cloak. Uh, is Harry Potter just really dumb? Because Harry gets caught using the invisibility cloak because of the footprints in the snow once. Mm. And then he goes and he uses it again in the exact same circumstances. He He's not he's not trying to ever be sneaky. He thinks like invisibility means I can't be seen no matter what I do. I can't be detected because he grabs some kid's lollipop as he's walking out the door of somewhere. <laughs> yeah. A... It's just a lollipop hanging in the air. Something's up there. B... Yeah. How am I seeing the entire lollipop, but none of Harry? Not his fingers poking through the cloak, holding the lollipop. Is he using magic? Oh, he's using magic to levitate the lollipop. Yeah, I thought it would have been a nice touch to have like the stick like half disappear. And then every once in a while, the entire thing disappear when he's taking a lick of it. And then or come back out with a bite taken out of it or something. Yeah. 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 It's a missed opportunity for whimsy, Karan. It's just a nonsensical effect in my mind, unless he's using magic to just levitate the lollipop next to him, which seems even more stupid by Harry. But he doesn't seem to think he can ever get caught in this thing, which is weird. Yeah, I really like I really like the effect they use when he's using the invisibility cloak. Like you can just see the fringe of the fabric and the pattern to kind of dissolve. Like when Harry's looking out from it is what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's it's not like it's a trans it's it's just like flim. I, I just think it's a really cool effect. There's also another interesting attention to detail. It's very similar when they're in the Bogart scene and they're like pushing through and out of the the mirrored like antique Bogart box. He's got this thing in. 
I really like how the 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 mirrors look antique and there's this like this patina to it, patina, mm, like yeah. where the the silver backing's kind of worn off in some places and mm-hmm. that that textured filming surface that he uses for that the visibility cloak and those mirrors I think are are so visually satisfying. Yeah, I like a lot of the effects in this movie. Um the Patronus effect I think is very cool. Um even down to like the lights that they emit from the tips of their wands have like mm-hmm. a subtle rainbow uh, mm-hmm. effect going on that's kind of spreading. It, it it almost looks hand animated in a weird way, yeah. and it gives it kind of an otherworldly lighting feel. I like it a lot. It is it is very organic. Um, I get really nostalgic about the invisibility cloak. I think one of the cutest things is in the first movie because Harry gets this like right off the bat all three of the kids can fit under that cloak comfortably. Like oh, Harry yeah. and Ron and Hermione are all underneath it, sneaking into the forbidden part of the library. And like in another movie or two, like it'll barely cover Harry Potter because <laughs> the kids Peter's are physically getting out. bit. Yeah. It's really, it's cute. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, it's, I just think it's one of the cuter things is when you see the first one and they're all three tucked under it. And I don't know. Cause they get bigger. They grow, the kids grow up. Harry must be, absolutely perfectly sized to this cloak because if you look at what happens in the snow you can see his footsteps plain as day but you cannot see where the cloak is dragging on the ground and Mm. you can't see any of his feet so it's just grazing the surface of that snow he is the perfect height to wear this yeah yeah for sure uh Am I? What if that's magical? Like if there's, because, because yeah, like I, I've often wondered that too. It's like as he gets bigger, how do you fold this to where? But I guess it's, I think it's canonically supposed to fit a full sized adult human. But anyway, what if um, you, what if you did like a potato sack thing where you stuck your legs into Hermione's bag of holding, <laughs> put the cloak over the top of you, and then it could cover anything, no matter how tall it is. I mean, it's magic. I think, yeah, it would work, I, right? I, yeah, man. <laughs> There's been some really weird shit come out of Pat Pottermore official lore. Like one thing that went around because this is Pottermore is the website that J.K. maintains, and this mm, is how okay. she like issues official proclamations. Like Dumbledore is gay. She came out a couple years ago that wizards didn't have indoor plumbing. That canonically they just <laughs> shit and piss on the floor and magic the waste away. Why would you say anything about that? Like, like that's even something if that's, I would say on a podcast, not on my I own know, website. I know, like drunk out of your mind on a podcast, and she's just like, you uh-huh. know what? Publish this out to the website. You know, this is official. Make this, this into is HTML canon. and code it and put it out. It's wild. It's wild. The shit that this woman says about her own universe <sighs> post fact. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because like I'm God, like, God, did she see a tweet world, and was just like, I don't I'm thinking I, about it for weeks. Like, God, how do I get I out of this mortal? I, I don't know like but but why like why would you think that a wizarding world were, like wouldn't they have like a dedicated pot like you just and why wait to wizard it away until it's on the floor true just wizard it away before it comes out yeah like oh, I got some bad moving through me bro it's gone <laughs> right not not spray it across the walls and then fix that mess god um ugh I feel like there was one other thing I wanted to talk about in connection with the cloak, but now like we just start about wizarding shits and it uh oh just the nature of how great yeah the the world building that uh, she she gets up to. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. 
And now, back with more Bald Move. How about their hair? Yeah? Because Hermione makes a comment about, oh my god, is that what the back of my hair looks like? Uh, mm. the, the back of her hair is fine. It's, it's a little voluminous, I would say. It's It's very... It's almost like she has too much hair. But the rest of them also have way too much hair. And bad hair. Harry Potter has huh. bad hair. Is this controversial? Harry Potter has bad hair. You know, there is there are definitely some looks as the kids get older and go from little kid hairstyles to adult hairstyles. Uh, Ron and, and Harry both go through like a British invasion. Uh, I haven't seen a mm-hmm. barber for too long kind of phase. I think that's like, a lot of young men go through that kind of phase. I, I never actually realized that Harry Potter had a scar on his forehead. Yeah. There's a whole Voldemort thing. You you told me about that, but like I didn't realize that because his hair is so bad and always hides it, but he's doing I'm telling that on purpose, you. right? Ooh, that's an interesting take. I think if a kid had a prominent scar on his forehead that he would probably grow his bangs out yeah. to hide it. Yeah. That makes, makes a lot of sense. I'd never thought about that before. Most I've always thought it was weird because <laughs> It's I've <laughs> what is Malfoy's excuse? I don't know, man. Um, I I've often wondered because like in the books the scar is a big thing, like it's this thing that like is easily identifiable, and in the movies it's always been obscured by dude's bangs, so it's like it always feels mm-hmm. like weirdly de-emphasized until like in later movies he's grabbing it as like a a psychic wound that he feels in the presence of like evil and Voldemort, but hmm. I. Yeah, I and it's weird because this is one of the movies where it's prominent in a scene or two. Like when Lupin calls it out, you can kind of see it poking out. But like, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of scenes where they don't even bother to do it. They might not. Yeah, when his hair is down. Because 90% of these movies, you don't get to see this the lightning bolt scar. Uh, I, I think I'm about out of stuff to talk about, except for I had a realization during this movie uh, around the map. And, and I, so, so there's a company out there that we have, I guess, worked with, I don't know, on conventions before, uh, Game of Thrones conventions and such. Oh, yeah, um, Mischief Managed. Called Mischief, Mischief Management. Management. And I, I now understand why they're named that, because I, I knew that they started with Harry Potter conventions. Oh. And now I understand why they're named Mischief Management, because Mischief Managed. Yeah, you'll probably get a full 17% more memes now that you've seen this movie. Probably, Honestly, because yeah. this is a big... This casts a big shadow through nerddom, to be honest. Especially, yeah. you get you get further into millennial uh, nerddom, uh, the stronger it gets. Uh, yeah, mischief mischief management. I Man, I do like the Marauder's Map. It's such a cool concept, mm-hmm. and I love, like... This movie lavishly illustrated every one of its credits. There are no like fancy credits fade to black. The entire like 11 minute credit sequence is one wow. long Marauders map sequence. And I love that it be I've never watched the whole thing. I did today cuz I was finishing up my notes. I'm like I'm going to cuz I thought it you know you'd get like 30 40 seconds of that and then sure. they go to the conventional mm-hmm. black. Nope. Like Hieropato Lumos Maximus is it? Uh, I saw him swear him up to no good. The map unfolds. The credits play, and then he folds the map up at the end. He says "mischief managed," and Loomis knocks, and it's like fucking mm. commit to the bit, man. That's super cool. Nice, best credit sequence of any Harry Potter, I think. I haven't seen them all lately, but uh, <laughs> would you be open to watching more of these in the guise of a Rift Tracks adventure? Uh, yeah, because that's these are the only way excellent. In which I would. These are excellent riff tracks. They are 
I think these are some of the older riff tracks, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the guys take some uh, an, an unfortunate pot shots. I don't think they'd take nowadays, but you know, mm-hmm. the entire franchise is problematic. What are you going to do at this point? Yeah, uh, I mean, let's look, get to... I've seen the Twilight riff tracks, and I would never have watched the Twilight movies. So, yeah, <laughs> have you? You haven't seen them all, though. I think I have. Did you really? Wow, I, I'm pretty Those sure we've legendary. watched them all together at some point, but. Dude, I still the yeah. fr- the I think the first one is the best. The first Twilight ref tracks is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh mm-hmm. my god. Um. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's get to the commissioner. Let's get back to the commissioners, uh, Keenan and Maggie, who are responsible for this whole thing. Never forget. Uh, Keenan and Maggie had a couple questions for us that they'd like our opinions on. Jim, oh, why do you have disdain for Harry Potter when you enjoy Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and Star Trek? Uh, let's, let's, we're really cutting close of like how you parse fantasy. Totally. Are you a giant hypocrite? Defend, oh, defend yourself from these assuredly, crimes. Assuredly, I'm a giant hypocrite in various ways. Uh, this I don't feel is one of them. Look, Harry Potter started as a kid's thing. I was way too old for Harry Potter when I would have like actually given it a chance. Like we're talking 2004 here. I would have been 22. I feel like that's too old for this movie. Yeah. I don't know. This this movie feels like like a 15 year old early thirties guys that got, got into it. (laughs) It, Right. Right. Uh, So there's a girl involved. That's one strike. Fair, fair. Uh, That's one strike Two. I'm inherently opposed to things that are super magic-y. Because I feel like unless they establish very firm rules, which I think this movie goes halfway to that, uh, it it's just anything can happen at any time for any reason. And there's no solid finger you can put on a narrative. And I hate that. Um, most of the sci-fi that I like and most of the fantasy that I like has solid rules um, and, and skirts very close to reality and will change a few things. Or, or one thing like the expanse is kind of the canonical example of this it just extrapolates things in the future deals with a lot of social issues that we're dealing with today and does it in a very grown-up and surprisingly grounded way um star wars less so admittedly but look i got into that when i was a kid of course i loved it right. uh star star trek i think is the the same thing as like the expanse except maybe a little sillier in places uh, so, so you might really like a fantasy system that is more solid. Like Brian Sanderson's always the the, the example, the Mistborn. Sure, series. I, like I started a, that series and the, fell off of it. Yeah. But I, I I'm I, it, I read the entire Mistborn trilogy and it kind of left me cold ultimately. Um, because like yeah, the mechanic system is solid as advertised, but I thought the characters and like the, the basic plot are the the problems. Honestly, I feel that way about Harry Potter. I don't find this series satisfying from a plot resolution standpoint. I find it very satisfying from a thematic and character resolution standpoint. Okay. Um, and the last movie is fucking awesome. The whole battle for Hogwarts. Uh, I get I get hmm. unironic chills when McGonagall uh, does that perimeter locomotive spell or whatever. Um it's uh pretty sad but yeah I, I i find that like the universe got away from jk right around uh the the goblet of fire like everything after that is just uh well Except this before thing or after this 
this is the the Goblet of Fire is the next one, which okay. I think is I, I I think this is the my the best I think and the most my most favorite, and it's the Alfonso Cuarón of them all. But mm-hmm. all of the subsequent movies are about of a piece at this. There's an I think a noticeable drop in quality in movie seven because they took the book and to make more money they split the movie into two parts when there probably wasn't a plot. That first movie is a little slow and rough but like i think movies four five six and eight are roughly of a piece you know they're not as groundbreaking because alfonso Cuarón broke the ground but they do continue building in a pretty satisfying way it's just that the plot is increasingly ridiculous it's like why does this happen and if the cores of a wand match this and what it's just a lot of uh, just so do us x magica crap um, and like Star Trek has a lot of that too, right? Like, oh, it's gravitons, you, or it's photons, right. or it's uh, chronotons. Like Spock put his chakra yeah. in McCoy, and then they regenerate his body in the Genesis wave, and it's like bullshit. But also, Spock is awesome, so you want it to work. That's exactly sure. how I feel about the last <laughs> book of Harry Potter and Book Eight. It's like this mm. is ridiculous, but I want it to work. So okay, yeah. For me, Game of Thrones was an interesting example because like it's kind of a trojan horse with its magic yeah. other than you know showing white walkers up at the front but like it it treats it treats its audience as adults uh it, it hit me at the right time right i'm a 30 something year old guy uh-huh. and and it hit me like ooh politics uh po- like political intrigue and uh forbidden romances and shit like that uh that all like and it was so internally consistent Mm-hmm. with its characters and its themes and stuff that I I could overlook the magical stuff. And when they finally well, did get around to the really magical bits, it was like, well, I'm already invested. I think Game of Thrones went the same path that Tolkien did, where it's like magic is not very well defined, but it definitely has rules and costs. Like, you always get the idea that, sure. like, yeah, Gandalf can come back from the dead, but, like, that costs something. Um... Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and, you know, if you want to cast a shadow baby to kill a whole army, there's going to be a cost in lives and like your soul. Like there's the, the there's 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 weight to all that stuff. Even though the rules are nebulous, you can't a person can't just like magic up, you know, a uh, solution out of nowhere with no preparation and, and no personal cost. Where in the Harry Potter, it feels like a lot of times, even though you do have the laws of magic that, you know, it's like. It feels like they're know. being written on the fly as opposed to established by the world. Yes. And the costs are not pre-thought out if they're mm-hmm. even considered at all. Uh, and yeah. that's why I feel like the Wizarding World comes across as kind of stunted in the fact that, like, they know less. They, they've got a couple of pieces of arcane knowledge, but they know less about the real world than, like, your average muggle does. You know, like yeah. they they might know how to like conjure light from a wand, but they couldn't tell you that a star is made up of hydrogen, you know, and I, 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 don't, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what's more important or whatever, but I always find that slightly like the fact that we're, wizards are kind of incurious, but that might be another part of the world, world building because there, there's also mm-hmm. this a lot of like muddled, confused anti-authoritism, populism type of things in Harry Potter that I don't know hold up to scrutiny. Yeah, the themes of Harry Potter were surprising to me. Like, what is the point if you're making a series of books for children of introducing the concept of racism against, like, like impure blood 
in someone's line, right? Like, right. That's fucked well, up. This is the Orson I don't Scott. want a kid yeah. thinking about that stuff. Like, you ha- you might have to explain it to them if they come to you and say, "Hey, some kid at school called me a mud blood. <laughs> what does that mean?" But but to put that into your fiction for children is weird. I don't know. Like, it's putting space Nazis in Star Wars. Is that bad? Uh, I, I think it's not not bad to inoculate kids against certain bad ideas. Um, in 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 fiction but like the -hmm. way i think the way jk did it in the margins it's like you get the idea that um you know there was nothing wrong with the wizarding system it was the fact that it was getting co-opted by an evil force when like you know pre-voldemort it's you still had these like enslavement of elves you still had second class magical citizen uh creatures that are sentient and every bit is you know like goblins and centaurs and whatnot but they're enforced a second-class citizen to maintain wizard supremacy, and none of that shit gets fixed at the end. It's like Voldemort is defeated and everything goes back to status quo. Harry Potter becomes a cop. The end. Okay, like, weird. damn, damn. That's uh, that's some that's that's an interesting take on on. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I there's a lot like. Um, there's one plot line in one of the books where Hermione finds out about the existence of house elves, which are these canonically enslaved human being or the, the thoughtful beings that serve uh, their magical masters and their magical masters can beat them, can even execute them, displays the heads of their predecessors in their hallways. It's just fucked up system. Jesus. Yeah. And Hermione finds out and she, she creates this, this uh, protest group and every, all the wizards make fun of her like, Oh God, you're being a fucking activist. You that's fucking lame, man. Even Harry Potter's kind of like, I don't know. Hermione's kind of seems weird. <laughs> These house have you thought about the house elves being happy with it? Like Hagrid's like, Oh, Hermione to house elves. They don't know anything but slavery. Like, like it's bonkers, dude. It's bonkers. Is, is that like the lead up to them? being freed because that's the right thing to do and everyone realizing no! how fucked up it is no no there's no? one house self that treasures his freedom and he thinks it's like and he's seen as like this weirdo outcast and what's worse is like Pottermore her fucking website came out to address this issue and it was like in this weird kind of like both sides like <laughs> no, you no. know there's two sides to every issue there's the act and it's like oh man it's like I said there, there's there's uh this is a problematic work um, in, in, in multiple levels, but it's also really enjoyable and it speaks to a lot of people. Uh, you kind of blew my mind. So Harry Potter at the end of this series becomes a cop. Just, yes. just like a, bo- like a, like no, a body. No, not a muggle, not a muggle cop. He becomes a, uh, <laughs> okay. an auror, which is the I'm magical. Thinking he's carrying around like a magical, uh, <laughs> bro- what's the stick that they hit you with? <laughs> I can't think of the uh, name of it. Yeah. A, uh, Billy club. Yeah, he's carrying around one it's of those. It's called a muggle club, and they only use it. They can only beat muggles. They can't beat <laughs> magical citizens. They have rights. And house elves. <laughs> yeah. No, I no. He becomes. Yeah, he comes to become a magic cop. It is that. Yeah, he's not a Bobby, okay. but he is. Yeah, he's a. He works for the <laughs> Ministry of Magic. He is a government employee, and he tracks down undesirable This is like the end of the shield, Azkaban, man. Is it played which, as as horrible as a, the worst fate possible? No. Well, I mean, Ron and Hermione get married. That seems like a pretty miserable thing. But and yeah, all of the, oh God, all the all geez, right. we haven't gotten to all the. God, I wish I wish you were interested in all this because it'd be super <laughs> fascinating to get your takes about the end of Harry Potter. But oh, oh, alas, oh, I don't geez. have the spell. I don't have the spell required to make Jim fall in love with 
with magic. No one does. Um, all right. So there's your disdain. We got. I, I keep forgetting. Uh, we got more thoughts. We got. We got mm-hmm. more thoughts from our commissioner Keenan and Maggie. Uh, thoughts on Hermione's time turner she got from Dumbledore. Um, I, like I think I've we covered, covered that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy thing to give to a child without <laughs> to, to do better on their coursework. Uh, how do you feel about the confirmation that Snape is protagonist? Is it confirmed? Like, I think this is the big because there's a bunch of things in the first two movies where Harry Potter thinks that Snape has got it out for him because he sees him hexing him and he sees him doing this and see. And then there's always a scene at the end where Dumbledore gives a certain point of view. Like, are you sure that now you know everything that Snape wasn't trying to help you? And Harry's like, nah, Snape's a dick. I don't know that they've completely gone reverse that in this movie, but mm-hmm. he did he did try to save them kids. So did. it's the beginning of his face heel face turn. Okay. Yeah. I will say this that I think it's I think if if I stand back and look at Snape's overall arc, I think it's kind of gross. The always shit. I the the older I get as a ma- as a man, I think what a fucking loser. What a fucking loser to remain in love with what? a woman like 15 years after she marries another dude, fathers a child, like you are fucking hung up on the oh, first boy. girl you met when you're like 14 years old. The fuck is wrong with you, dude? Do you, <laughs> do, do you know how many fine witches there are out in the world, Snape? Mm-hmm. And you're, yeah, go you, up to the towers. See what uh, divination expert's up to. Yeah. Yeah. Two probably That's, get along. D- yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, Trelawney, go <laughs> go with Trelawney. I'm just saying. I just think that God. I just I don't I don't get Snape. Snape's love story is much like the one in Twilight. I don't understand why people hold it up as some kind of model. It is extremely romantic. Hmm. It's extremely romantic in the you know it's the unrequited love. Yeah, George Jones. He stopped loving her that day, but ultimately, it's also pathetic to spend your whole life pining after somebody like that. So, mm-hmm. um, what is your view on the introduction of Sirius Black and Peter Pettigrew? Loved it. I I love the fact that it bamboozled this dude. I, that's yep. always been something I've been curious about. Uh, and yeah, Sirius Black one of the best one of the best characters of Harry Potter. Really? That must be in future movies. Oh yeah. Here I mean, this is, is like introduction. kind of a Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he's yeah, a, it's he's... a rocky introduction, but ultimately it worked. He's like Han Solo if Han Solo is Luke Skywalker's ne- uh, uncle. Okay. You know, godfather. They they got like it's got it's like it, all the coolness of Han Solo Han with Solo, a family closeness. If if when they met him in the bar, he was clawing his eyes out and screaming like a maniac, and he could transform into Chewbacca at will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get yeah. See, that's you get all the Han Solo and all the Chewbacca, all the screaming. One neat package, huh? Of Chewbacca. <laughs> uh, and that's it. That's it. Uh, you did you did a brave, risky thing here, Keenan and Maggie, uh, by pulling down yeah. this as a commission uh, on multiple Hope levels we did for it multiple reasons. I think we did. I think we covered this from every possible angle you could possibly. I tried to cover. give it the fairest shake I could. I wanted. I wanted to look at it as a movie, and and not try to try to see through my absolute antipathy for this subject matter. Yeah, I, I cannot stress enough just the the valley of regard and care I have for this movie series, this book series. Uh, the entire genre 
I cannot tell you how much I do not care about it, but I was trying to give it a fair shake as a film, and I hope I did that. They get Ray Fiennes. Nice. Like this is like it's 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 kind of fun to see all the different uh like the Gleasons and uh, you know we we didn't talk about Michael Gambon uh who took over from Richard Harris as Dumbledore R- Richard Harris who you know was the the old emperor in Gladiator who gets strangled by uh, okay. Joaquin Phoenix he played mm-hmm. Dumbledore late in life and like a, you know late 80s uh, early 90s and as a kind of like this this kind of breathy sleepy a more Merlin kind of Gandalf figure. And Michael Gambon, a much younger man, plays him with a lot more dynamic dynamicism. Dynamic? Dynamic dynamo power he plays. Uh, uh-huh. And I I I guess I don't know if this is a controversial because I again I'm not really plugged into the Harry Potter fandom. I don't know if this is controversial. I think Michael Gambon is a much better Dumbledore. It's actually somewhat good that they were able to recast with a clean conscience because I, I think I think uh, the first Dumbledore was fine for that era of Dumbledore that stage of Dumbledore but I don't know how the hell he pulls off shit that Dumbledore gets up to in the later in the later movies uh, and, and, and is believable and relatable so yeah that's a wild casting for me of Richard Harris like I, I don't want to say that the guy shouldn't get work at 80 or 90 if he wants it that's cool. He can still and work. If you're going to, to hire get it, him be on, this guy, yeah, uh-huh. Well, but to hire him on for a series for, that you know is going to span like seven, eight it movies, it is a crazy at decision. Ninety right? years old, it is a crazy. That's just decision. asking to lose him in the middle. Yeah, yeah, but it was a, uh, it was uh yeah. I feel like I'm just talking bad about Richard Harris. I just think it's a poor fit. It'd be like if you cast the the second, uh, this the second um uh Oracle. As the first Oracle in the Matrix, <laughs> you were ninety years old, and then it's like, then then they got replaced, and it's like, oh my god, the second Oracle is so much better because it's yeah, like oh, I, it's, yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. kind of like upgrade over the character. I think mm-hmm. not that Richard, like if you only saw the the second Oracle, you're like, oh, that's a fine Oracle, but then you see the first mm-hmm. Oracle, like, oh my god, what a great Oracle. That's that's how I feel about the Gambin uh, of everything. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I don't. So like, I we already have a commission that came through. For the Sorcerer's Stone. Is that number one? That's the first one. Oh, boy. And I told them, I was like, look, you need to slow your roll. We haven't even seen the other uh, one. And like, I highly recommend before you make your final selection of a movie or if you ask for your money back, you wait until you wait until uh, you see what Jim thinks. I want you to speak directly to this commissioner now, Jim, because I'm going to copy it verbatim in an email. I'm going to send them. Uh-huh. What do you think? What would you tell them? If they're like, I really want Jim. This is such a fun podcast. I really want Jim to do the Philosopher's Stone. Or the Wizard Stone, Sorcerer's Stone. Don't do it. Don't do it. And not not because you're going to lose $500 on an ill-fated project. Or more. More, depending on how much we have uh, in the queue. But for my sake, if you care at all about me, don't make me watch oh, that movie. Oh, this is a bad pitch. This is a bad don't make dodge. Me watch that it's, movie. It's, uh, you're you're ask. I feel like you're asking to be thrown into a briar patch, and you're briar rabbit. I, I I was fairly grumpy after watching this movie, and it was only a night of sleep that helped me recover and see any uh, <laughs> redeeming qualities. The first one, I don't. It would take. I'd have to sleep for a week. I'd I'd have to. I almost asked you if I could come over and watch it with you, but I thought that'd be super annoying. 
that like you know I <laughs> the, 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 it'd be watching with me. Um, okay, what if they wanted to commission the Gobble to fire the next movie in the sequence? If they're like, well, I mean that's a okay, better idea because it's not a child's movie. But you're still saying it's a bad idea. You're like at any one yeah, of these movies, just, you could turn on it and just be like, this is nope, this is horseshit. If you're saying that this is the best of the bunch. Then I would say you really are just risking, you're betting the house, Mm -hmm. risking it all, thinking I'm going to like any of the others. Because if this is as good as it gets, then I would say I'm not a fan of Harry Potter. Okay. Well, I think that's that's a a fair statement of fact. It'll be interesting to see what the commissioner does with it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Your money would be better used on some other movie, I'll say. All right. We find we did it again. We've taken the, the, the we've we've busted his uh, Princess Bride ignorance. Now we've done Harry Potter. Do you have any other any other cultural things you've been ignoring for forty years that uh, we could bring you, force you to drink from? Uh, any wells boy. we could just cram the horse water down the horse's mouth? Probably. I can't uh, think I'll- of one. I can't think uh, of any of my real head. notable gap that you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, there's a couple things I can think of older movies that, but you'd probably be up to seeing them. You wouldn't be like, oh, I fucking been trying not to see Casablanca for 75 years. I'm not about to start yeah, now. Yeah, like, totally. Uh, yeah. Some of the older, like, cartoon series, like a G.I. Joe or something, I'm sure would not do anything for me. It's a Saturday morning cartoon. From By all accounts, it wasn't very good when it aired it has not aged well and i have no affinity for it because i wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid hmm. transformers is kind of the same way although okay it, it, we had we a lot of a... fun with that transformers movie true i will not say that i like the movie or that i like transformers but what what if things i wonder if like because I, I was like what if we watched a riff tracks version of goblet of fire <laughs> but would that count as watching the movie oh i don't know Cause like yeah, I mean I don't I don't know like it uh, if if the plot goes through and they're making fun of it that hard. Anyway, I'll I'll pass on those notes. Uh, but <laughs> okay. uh, Keenan and Maggie, thank you very much for commissioning this movie. I hope uh, I hope it was rewarding. I hope you liked it. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to, you're fine. Like man, how how can I do this? How can I make Jim watch something he probably doesn't want to see? Uh, or Aaron for that matter. Well, it's easy. You go to support.baldmove.com. You look, click on commission a podcast. Click that link. Pay some money. Bingo bongo. Uh, you, your your podcast dreams come true. Support.baldmove.com. Thanks again for commissioning this, Keenan and Maggie. Had a lot of fun. We'll got. We'll see you on the next one.